Hello, and welcome to the Phantom Zone podcast, your comic book reading club. And uh, this week I'm joined, as always, by fantastic co-host and friend, uh, Chris. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Um, my voice, I'll apologise now before we get into the episode. My voice sounds like I've swallowed a toad or I am a toad because <laughs> I had COVID uh, recently. Me and Simone both unfortunately got it. Um, we'll, this episode is going to be a bit of a heavier one, I imagine. So I'll do a little bit of the lighter stuff at the start. Simone got COVID from going to see Jurassic world is it the new one is it is it that bad that she got COVID? she got covid yeah <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i've heard i've heard bad reviews but that is a bad review <laughs> that's the worst review for jurassic world what is it dominion is that what it's called yes yeah. i i've been contemplating going to see it but people don't, have always told me like don't it'll give bother. you covid <laughs> <laughs> no I, I mean i've had covid already i don't want to go down that road again yeah this is twice i've had it now and uh i wish i could say it was for a better reason but it literally was because Simone went to see Jurassic World and I I actively didn't want to see it so <laughs> so I apologize blame Chris Pratt um I apologize for my voice in today's podcast and I if mean, you hear blame, me, blame Chris Pratt seems to be the trend the yeah minute, just blame Chris things, I'm fine with so. that I just, uh, yeah I was gonna say I've got no yeah yeah that is the way we should do it in life just blame Chris Pratt um so if you hear me coughing as well halfway through the episode I apologize as well um and uh Bear with us, I guess, or bear yeah. with me. I feel like for our, or I'm saying this in your quotes, lawyers, we can't <laughs> legally we cannot say that Jurassic World Dominion gives you COVID. Um, just as a disclaimer, we're not saying that. <laughs> but thank you for jumping in there. Yeah, we're, just, right. we're just saying the two the two events seem to be coincided. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, so the the film physically did not give her COVID, but her going to see the film gave her covid because she got it from somebody at the film so because they're playing chris pratt that's yeah <laughs> definitely definitely i mean that's just again in life yeah <laughs> so yeah as i as i mentioned before uh today's episode is going to be a bit more of a i guess a heavier one and it's a mm. uh, special we're going off uh our usual uh schedule which is sex criminals and then a uh, sort of legacy comic we call it i guess one that's more of a uh bigger name so we you know long halloween or uh watchman or things like that um we're going off track and we're doing sort of a legacy comic this week instead uh and as i say it's sort of a special but not really a special that you want to do um as recently the uh immensely talented and fantastic uh, uh artist um tim sale passed away uh, at a very young age of 66 um and tim sale you know We've already discussed his work actually on this podcast. Our first episode was The Long Halloween, which was him and Jeff Loeb again writing, uh, you know, Batman. And we've discussed how much we enjoyed his work in that episode and how much he means to us as an artist. So we felt it would be fitting for us to do a, a I don't want to say short discussion on his work because, you know, he, he is a fantastic artist and an amazing person who has left us far too early. But we wanted to do a, a a tribute episode to him, discuss his work a little bit, and then focus in on one of our favorite works of his, which is Spider-Man Blue, which does discuss, I guess, loss and the emotional aftereffects of that. Um, so yeah, I, I guess that's a good place to jump in with what 
Tim Sale's work has meant to us and also, I guess, our favorite works of his, if it's not Spider-Man Blue, what other ones are there? So, um, yeah, Chris, go, go ahead, man. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's um, it's it's still kind of hard to process, I guess, yeah. at this point. Uh, he, I mean, 66 is not, uh, you know, it's, it's still too soon. <sighs> it's crazy. Uh, yeah, and... It was, and obviously you, you especially were hit very hard. He's been, he's meant a whole yeah. lot to you in your formative years, growing up with comic books, and I am um, in my adoption of comic books, sort of, I guess, a bit later than yourself. But he's been a presence, I guess, in that world for me since day one. You know, mm. um, for me, I think one of the main ones is one we've already talked about, which would be. Batman the Long Halloween, you yeah. know, um, listeners who listen to us either here or uh, on our other UK Forums podcast know how much of a Batman fanatic I am. <laughs> so um, Long Halloween being one of the seminal comics of that character. Oh, big time, yeah. I feel like his Batman as well, like the way he draws Batman has been like, um, what's the word? Uh, genre defining yeah you know, the way he looks is so like def- defining of what batman is yeah you can look at obviously um you know the frank miller comics you can look at the later new 52 scott snyder kind of stuff but i feel for me long halloween was one of the first that i got into mm. um at recommendations from people as i is how i come to most of these things when i did it but i just remember you're right in that term of genre defining he for that for me his batman his characterization or visualization of batman Mm. is the one for me is the one i think to when i think about batman and obviously there's been great ones around as well but his work on that and then obviously spider-man blue which we'll get into and you know Mm. even daredevil yellow and all Mm -hmm. those kind of things um i haven't had a chance to read things like superman um for all seasons yet but you know he's one of those especially when he works with jeff Loeb. i think talk about your dream team oh yeah so yeah there's a there's a four word four word word i can't Mm. i I always feel like i'm saying that wrong even though i'm saying the right (laughs) way a four word on daredevil yellow from Mm. stan lee who basically says and i'm very much paraphrasing stan lee apologies to the great man um a comic is only as good as its writer and its artist. Um, but with Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale, that's a it's pretty much as good as it gets. And mm. I think between the, especially the two of them, but Tim Sale, again, Long Halloween and Spider Man Blue and Daredevil and um, Hulk Grey, all those things. He's just mm. he's so good at bringing characters to life, and he's I think he's even credited on this and Daredevil Yellow, etc. On as a storyteller and that's essentially what it is he's not just a illustrator he's mm. he's very much as key to the story and is and we'll get into the comic obviously in a minute but without his mm. the way he tells his part of the story and obviously coinciding with jeff Lobb, it just a magic just a magic happens it's it's so true man like i i think it's very really the combination of those two together is um is perfect really as a comic mm. book team and um yeah no this it did hit me hard when when the news 
broke of it and andrew who was uh on the podcast last time uh sent me it and uh he, he couldn't join us unfortunately he did want to to, to discuss tim sales work because he loves him as well um but he had to do some uh comic books to finish up um so yeah no it did hit me quite hard and i, I will say you know if if there's a i apologize in advance if there's points where you know myself or chris seem a bit you know shook up by mm. the situation because it, it did hit me hard and it still does you know i've got his work in front of me and he's somebody i've got you know multiple comics of um because i genuinely do there's something about the artwork that he creates that really did speak to me when i was growing up and it's it's interesting when you talk about partnerships i think there's so many in comic books that it would be remiss of me to like start listing them because i think i would definitely be sinful of forgetting somebody oh, on that yeah, list absolutely. <laughs> you know like there's so many amazing artists but you know, ones that spring to mind that like create iconic work. Um, you know, David Gibbons is somebody who yeah. is, is an iconic artist, and him and Alan Moore have created you know quite a, a few you know iconic pieces of work. We discussed Superman uh, for the man who has everything, and you know, Watchmen is the other massive iconic piece of work where I just feel like the artwork that David Gibbons creates there is integral to the story that's being told you couldn't have a different artist create something there it just wouldn't work agreed and for me tim sale and jeff Loeb really have this like maybe even more so than and than alan moore and david gibbons or um david gibbons and many of his other um uh, uh what's the word i'm looking for uh team players i guess yeah. <laughs> um, but him and um uh Oh my lord, my brain has just completely gone blank. Uh, All Star Superman, uh, Grant Morrison. Him Grant and Grant Morrison, Morrison yeah. have also created a lot of work together. X Men being another like quite famous like uh, duo that they did, uh, which was really great as well. Mm -hmm. um, I think more so than David Gibbons and his other contributors, Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale have like a real emotional connection to everything they create, and they really seem to have like a uh, almost like uh, one mind in what they create together. And my favorite work of his, we're going to talk about Spider-Man Blue soon, um, but my favorite work of his is Superman for All Seasons. Yeah. And um, I'm a massive Superman fan, and more so than Batman, because he is the better character. Um, <laughs> for another time, it's another for another time. time. Another it's time. another time. My 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 argument for Superman, though, which I I just have to put this in quickly, just for a bit of a funny touch. I was talking to a friend of mine who was like, Batman is the literal like physical uh, uh, manifestation of capitalism, like going wrong because he just is rich and beating up like. Uh, poor people whereas superman is a working class hero so i'm just gonna say that's my <laughs> take on superman but i feel like it does transition well into superman for all seasons something tim sale specifically wanted to do in this comic was focus on clark kent as the person mm. and there, there's a great video on on youtube where he talks about the way he draws superman and batman and the differences between them and how he defines the two um, and something he talked about with drawing Superman was he wanted to focus on Clark Kent, the farm boy, you know, the, the farmer who's grown up in the fields with his family. And he's like a innocent man who's a giant and huge. And 
he wanted his face to be soft and caring and emotionally uh, uh, approachable. Whereas Batman, he focused way more on like Batman and something he was specifically talking about with Batman was the cape rather than uh, with Superman where it's very soft. The cape with Batman becomes almost its own sort of character in the frames. And um, I totally recommend Superman for all seasons. It very much was a a follow-up to uh, The Long Halloween um, and very much follows this sort of progression that Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale have in a lot of their comics. And it is in Superman, uh, Spider-Man Blue as well, which we'll get into, um, where they almost have a um, seasonal approach to their comic books now. Uh, and the the uh, environment that they're in plays a huge factor in the stories as well. And yeah, I, I think Superman for All Seasons is just a really beautiful comic. Um, and it also has quite a few emotional parts in it as well about loss as well. We could have easily done Superman for All Seasons. Um, but um, I feel like Spider-Man Blue is a better place to jump into um, talking about I guess, the loss of Tim Sale. Um, Because it was a part of a four uh, comic book series that they did together, Jeff Loeb and and Tim Sale for Marvel, which were uh, specifically focused on colors, um, which was uh, Daredevil, Yellow, Spider-Man Blue, Hulk Gray, and Captain America White. Um, Now, I've read three of these. I've never read Captain America White. Um, It was very delayed when it first was getting uh, released. Um, So I didn't quite get on that one. I really should. But they all kind of deal with, I guess, um, emotional connective tissue in the character's life. So, you know, for Hulk, it's Betty Ross. Betty, Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. In Spider-Man, uh, in Daredevil Yellow, it's, um, what's her face? I always forget her name. I'm not the biggest Daredevil reader, um, but it's his love interest as well. And in, and in uh, Captain America, it's um, Bucky as well. Yeah. But with Spider-Man Blue, it's uh, Gwen Stacy. Yes. And it, um, what I find really fascinating with this series that they did together, and I think Spider-Man Blue is probably the best of the ones I've read. Um, I can't speak for captain america white but i'd I'd really feel spider-man blue does something like really fantastic with what it what they both wrote and drew um they take something that we already know in the spider-man mythology we we know about gwen stacy's death Mm. and we in fact the issues that we have in front of us are from the original amazing spider-man run i think it's 40 to 49 Uh, i'm just double checking um they mention it in the the, the uh, end. Tim actually in his bit talks about um, the fact that the what we had, yeah, forty to forty nine. Should have gone with my gut. Shouldn't doubt myself. <laughs> so the events that we see in it. So him fighting Rhino, uh, Vulture, Lizard, uh, Green Goblin. They're all from the initial run from forty to forty nine. What Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale do here is create like a connective story that brings these already a pre-existing events that we know together to really tell not a story of loss in the conventional sense where we just see Gwen Stacy die. Mm. We get the story of how they come together and created their relationship and what that means for somebody who loses that. Um, So yeah, I mean, I guess that's 
we usually do Ian and Wikipedia. I guess that's my summary of this yeah, <laughs> comment no. this week. Yeah. Um, uh, and I don't think it's like, it's not one of those comics like we've done before where you can go, this is what happens in it. It's very much a mood, this yeah. comic book. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, jump jump in, Chris, man. I, I don't, yeah, don't, feel, I, don't I, let me just ramble no, on because I no, will. <laughs> it's, totally. Um, that the the love interest in Daredevil is Karen Page. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Um, oh, my brain for I, Daredevil I, I, fans are going to be screaming at me. I I, I I I like Daredevil even before the movie. The crappy movie tried to ruin it for me forever. I but... I, I don't know what you're talking about. That's yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> Let's not get into that. No, um, I, I do like Daredevil. I think um you know that's a, maybe another time yeah. we can talk about Daredevil, especially Man with No Fear. I think that's a is it Man with No Fear or Man no? Without Fear? That's it. Great. Yeah. That's a really great comic. But I just haven't yeah. read him as much as Spider Man or or Superman. Yeah, but you you are absolutely right about this not being uh it is a mood this yeah. this this collection uh it's it's a comic it's a, this case i really cheesy not so much you read but you feel and yeah, you kind of yeah. live I, through I agree. um and you know what happens anyone who's reading it kind of knows or is familiar with the spider-man universe knows no know, knows what happens to gwen stacy but it's still tells you in such a way that the impact hits you full force mm right mm. in the chest and then uh, yeah you know but it's still obviously it connects everything that you saw through volumes 40 to 49 in the original run mm. before the um events with you know rhino and green goblin etc but just it weaves it so nicely and brings it all together for this other like you to use your phrase connective tissue that basically just pulls you in mm. and while all that's going on in the background and obviously stays true to all that stuff really just elevates it to some some other place you know it does man i think you know you look at i think the way it's done well with that is that pretty much every frame i think i'd have to double check i finished reading it again this morning um i've read it many times but i just wanted to refresh myself i don't think there's a frame where peter isn't like monologuing and i think that's one of the things that makes it feel more like a, a mood and an emotion rather than like this is a point A, point B story. Like, and um, I mean, Long Halloween does that as well. It does have like a, a connective arc. Like there's an arc in Long Halloween. Whereas this, yeah. it does have an arc, but because you're hearing Peter monologue, uh, recording his inner thoughts and emotions about his loss to Gwen, it feels far more like we're almost having flashbacks to that time rather than an overarching story. Mm-hmm. Like the, 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 the time scale in the comic doesn't it doesn't really tell us when the course of this takes place it could be a year it could be like free it's it's quite mm. i'm not saying vague intentionally but it's vague in a good way because it feels like you see more of their life together yeah but i think yeah. that's a that's a t- real testament to the way the t- story's told it doesn't matter it could have been uh, it could have been a few months could have been a year could have been three years could have been anything but mm. it doesn't none of that takes away from the the depth and emotional health yeah. the story has yeah. and i think it's it, it in, in the word timeless i guess to show that and then obviously they're i'm trying to think of the words they're trying to um 
they're not trying to do too much. They're just doing exactly the right amount and they're just letting the story flow. And you can think of it in any terms you want. Like you mm. could read that as in one perception and say, oh, has it been like a year? I could read it and think a different thing, but it doesn't matter. We're still going to get the same thing from it. So, and I think as storytellers, and another mm. point for me as well is what I like the I read a lot of stories and books and stuff and Stephen King in particular is also very good at this. He's very good at, and it happens in this, is you know what's going to happen. Like, you know someone's yeah. going to die from, like, page one, right? But by page 30, you're like, maybe they don't die. Yeah. They, yeah, because yeah. of the way they've written it, you're like, oh, no, it, there's a chance this could be okay. Even though on page one they said, this person will die. This is how it's going to end. Yeah. You're, you're still, the way they take you through it, you're going, it's all going to be okay, and it's not. Yeah. But it doesn't, but I don't, come away feeling angry i've come away feeling all right you you took me on a on a journey there. yeah and, and i think I'm, i appreciate I, that i think the, the the big thing with that actually um is that you know the first two pages i'm looking at it as we speak the first two pages is him literally going to um where gwen stacy dies at the, yeah. uh, Brooklyn the rose. and putting the rose there yeah and um we know like that that's the modern day I guess because um, this is kind of in in terms of the timeline, the chronological timeline of, of Spider Man. This is very much like its own separate um, comic. It's a standalone. But if we were to place it somewhere, it's after he's married uh, MJ. Um, but it's before one more day, so we haven't got the retcon of like them not being married anymore. So we we are assuming this takes place in like the modern day when he's doing that and going to put the uh, rose, and we know immediately then, like we know immediately then that's what happens that like he he uh, that Gwen dies. Yeah. Um, but as you say, as we go through, we we almost feel like there's a chance that that isn't what's going to happen, and mm-hmm. I think one of the bits that really like. It's it's heartbreaking, but also like very um uh what's the word when you're like for an English student, like I studied English, but my blooming like <laughs> vocabulary like is so terrible. I'm like, oh what 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 am I looking for? What word is that? I'm sure my English teachers are like, come on, like <laughs> what are you doing? Um but there's a bit that's both like endearing but heartbreaking at the same time. And I think the frame that really does that is in issue two, where you have Peter in science class with Flash and Gwen, and Flash is being typical Flash, like mm-hmm. complete yeah. ass, you know. Yeah. And um, he like gets told off by the teacher and moved away. And there's a frame where he's like, "I remember being foolish enough to think, let's fall in love." Let's fall in love, yeah. It's it's both heartbreaking because you know because of what happened in the first panel and what we know as Spider-Man readers, we know that Gwen Stacy dies. But there's this part that you're like, that's super sweet and caring and endearing. And like, because I think everybody has had that rush of emotion where you meet somebody and think, this could be the person I want to be with. And this is the person I want to spend time with. And whether it be love or just infatuation or getting to know somebody or the rush and excitement of that, I feel like it really catches that really well. But then you have that gut sinking emotion of like, oh, you know, that this, they, this doesn't end well. This doesn't end well at all, and it and it also is like a huge testament to Tim's work and yeah. art here. That like 
he uses a lot of frames which focus on people's faces and like goes very detailed into like their emotional yeah. reaction. He's a very emotive. Oh, it's beautiful. It's storytelling. Yeah. So much so. And even in this panels, which are just them in science class, the way he's drawn Gwen and Peter and Flash is just like the most emotional like depth to a character. And he's very much been, I think he said himself at the back of this comic that he was very much wanting to pay homage to those original comic books in the 60s and yeah. didn't want to go right i'm gonna reinvent the wheel so he wanted it to look almost um nostalgic but with his own um flair to it and i think that adds to the sense of it being a flashback almost to this life that we used to know for peter because of the way he's made it very reminiscent to that work, but also something new, it's like we're seeing the same thing, but in a different lens and a mm. different, like, almost dreamlike, because it's how you would remember things. You say People say you never remember the same thing identically every time. You remember the, the last time you remembered something. Yeah. And that's how I feel reading this. Like, you, the way it looks is like Peter's remembering the last time he remembered Gwen Stacy. Yeah. And... That's why it looks similar to what we know from Amazing Spider-Man 4049 and that just whole period. But it's not the same. It's different with Tim's own flair to it. Yeah, agree. Um, I agree. I, I agree. I think the characterization and how he draws each, each individual character is fully fledged, obviously through mm. the writing already. But when it's given that extra oomph by uh, sales visualization of them mm. every character really just pops and comes to life and is and it feels like a really fully fledged fully formed character that mm. you can totally see all aspects of you've obviously got um mary jane and uh, gwen in this i was about to say the way he draws them is like 60s iconic yeah like, it's but... just iconic way of do- drawing them and what it could they're, they're both very strong women in this and both very you know um, big characters, but they're both very distinct from each other, which yes. is why you don't think like, oh, well, Mary Jane and Gwen are basically just two women who are the same. They both are given each their ident their identity mm-hmm. in the story, as is everyone. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a really big thing, especially for those two characters who are what this bit is pivoting about, um, especially with Gwen. And I think the way Tim has done all the characters regardless of how often even people like, I don't know, um, J. Jonah Jameson, all those kind yeah. of people, they're all given full, um, I'm trying to think what the film term is, but they're all given like a, they're all given their space to be full characters mm-hmm. rather than just, oh, you're in here because you're, it's a Spider-Man you're in, story. Because it's a Spider-Man story. Yeah, you're yeah. here, it's, you're here for a reason, you yeah, know? Yeah. And this, and I think, Yes, the writing's great, but when you look at the characters, and like you say, especially Mary Jane and um, Gwen, Gwen, they look like a perfect homage to the time of the sixties, and but are just so brought so vibrant and bold that mm-hmm. you just they just look feel like real people. You're actually experiencing the lives of real people, yeah, and I just love it. Uh, yeah i agree i think something with that is also the the cover issues as well Mm. um like they purposely and i think again tim talked about this when he was discussing spider-man blue 
he wanted to have the characters uh, on the covers that I guess are influencing uh, Peter's life and Spider-Man's life and having Spider-Man as a smaller uh, object in those panels and having them as larger characters yeah. around him. So they're not like, as you say, oh, it's a Spider-Man story, so Mary Jane's definitely going to be in it. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not full of cameos, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, by having them like the way they are on those um, front pages or, or um, cover pages, it, it, it highlights that this isn't like, oh, they're just here. It's that these are how they impact Spider-Man's life. Yeah, because ultimately, yes, you you obviously will have Spider-Man uh, issues out there that are mainly about him web web swinging and fighting yeah. and action, yeah. and they're fine, great. But this this is about the characters. This story is about the people. Not yes, obviously, there's great action in here. He's fighting all kinds of these you know, Rhino, Green Goblin. You know, everyone is in there. But you're right to use the characters as the covers highlights that they obviously got from this that the, mm. the importance here is the characters and they're the things you should be seeing because you could easily have a really exciting cover with spider-man swinging and or you know fighting someone but it's not about that no it's, it's about these people and that's what connects so much with this yeah no i agree with you and i think the you are right it has great action and again tim sale is a very dynamic mm-hmm. artist and he created images that um you know, are really iconic. We were talking about, obviously, Batman in The Long Halloween being iconic, but, you know, he has a real, like, dynamism to his characters when they are in, in combat. Yeah. Um, you know, when, when he's fighting the Vulture, um, I think what I like about the way he draws Spider-Man is that we have Spider-Man quipping, being classic Spider-Man, but even the way he's drawn is playful and, um, like... And high energy in comparison to the people he's around. So like when he's fighting the two vultures, you know, the two vultures are fighting each other. They're very heavy. They're hitting each other. But Spider-Man is quite light in the page and he's like swinging around them and making quips as he's doing that. And the way Tim Sale's drawn him is it it, it, uh, adds to the quippiness. I think it makes it a lighter character. He's such a diverse artist that he can change his style to suit the narrative and he's happy to and he's he knows exactly what it needs to <coughs> pop and accentuate the story because mm-hmm. if you read uh, things like obviously long halloween has a slight as a different art style to this but mm-hmm. then you look at something like um catwoman when in rome has yeah as yeah, a different yeah. art style, it's kind of french wavy mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. thing and um, mm-hmm. but he but it all complements the story and makes the story better. So he knows mm-hmm. exactly what he needs to do in the moment. So he's mm-hmm. not what he's not um, stuck. He's, he was never stuck in um, a certain style. He always knew exactly where the story needed to be or what he needed to do. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. And he brought and he brought his own flair to it, which is great. Like I think the best one of that in this um, issue that really like shows that is in i think it's issue five where he's fighting the two vultures we have a frame where he's grabbing flash to stop him getting killed and um that is essentially just copied the whole pose is copied from an an amazing spider-man comic book um from the 60s but it definitely has his own flair to it and his own look and as you say he knows when to apply you know the style for the comic um and yeah i think i think spider-man blue just really it does showcase how well he can like draw characters like i love pretty much 
all of the things I've ever read that he's illustrated. Yeah. Um, but there's something about Spider-Man Blue, like even I'm looking at a frame where um, him and Aunt May are in uh, their kitchen and Peter's nervous because he wants to talk to her about moving out. And she's nervous because she wants to speak to him about that too. And the way he just draws them and the detail of everything in the, the panel, it's a huge splash panel, basically, just a big pa- panel across the page. Um, you get all the emotion in their faces yeah. and the detail, mm-hmm. but even their body language and what they're doing and how they're sat and placed in the room, not looking at each other, but slightly, you know, looking over his sh- their shoulders. He's just so great. And then you compare that to, as you say, the dynamic, like, crashes of, like, the way he does the combat in the the... the uh, when he's fighting, you know, the lizard or green goblin, it it just is really just perfect, I think. I don't think there's a better word for it. I can't think of a better word. I just think it's a perfect comic book. I can't really think of any other way to describe it. I, I, I'm inclined to agree with you. That scene with the with Anne and Peter in the kitchen, no words, just you, but you can instantly tell the situation mm. is, on te- is on edge because mm-hmm. they both have this unspoken thing that they need to say to each other and to immediately say that in a panel is incredible and yeah. i agree i think this comic book as for me is as close to perfect if not than that you could get in a mm-hmm. perfect harmony of storytelling yeah and totally. visuals it's great i think another it. great thing about it to loop back to what we were talking about with the, the we know somebody will die in this comic interestingly mm-hmm. enough nobody does like Gwen yeah. Stacy does not die in this comic. No, she doesn't. And we know she dies in Spider-Man's lore, but she we we don't see her die in this comic, which is quite a I think a an interesting choice by Loeb and Sale, and I think actually the right choice because they could have just been like, yeah, and we'll we'll have a big panel after we have the kiss that her and. Um, Peter share we'll have the panel of him maybe holding Gwen but I think that would have been on the nose yeah um and instead they they do it in a really totally opposite direction of that where it's like we won't show her dying we will show the effects of her death on people and instead of showing her dying after that kiss they show Peter now in his attic recording this monologue to her with Mary Jane coming in with just like the most like heartbreaking sort of like scene where, you know, she's heard him talk about, you know, how much he loves Gwen and, you know, Gwen dying is probably what made Mary Jane change and realize she couldn't just keep living the way she is because life's too short. And, you know, Mary Jane being like, do me a favor and say hello for me and say mm-hmm. i miss her it's a, it's a really heartbreaking scene and it's just so amazingly done rather than just being like yeah and she's dead you know what yeah. i mean like instead yeah. ending the comic yeah and she died there you go yeah um, so it's a really complicated uh last couple of panels there obviously when like you say mary jane who's been overhearing his his him pouring his heart out to gwen via these tape recordings that he's making and it obviously it alludes to a much more complicated relationship that obviously is between him and Mary Jane, and he's obviously still got feelings, but doesn't try and spoon feed you like, oh, this is how they're dealing with this, this is a situation. It just sort of lets it lie. And it could have gone for the big 
climactic panel of when Stacey's death and mm-hmm. it could have and it could have been a panel that would have been published on websites and whatever for years and said mm-hmm. this the moment Gwen Stacy died but they know they that's not they know that's not what their story's about and no. they don't need that. They're like that's not what we're trying to we're not telling that story. No. This you know the story but we don't need to show you it. And I like when stories don't just spoon feed and do the obvious thing because yeah. it's, it, it's, it's a brave move, um, but they land it so perfectly at the end. It's a heartbreaking panel. You're absolutely right. And I know you, um, we posted it on our Instagram after we heard the news and it was just, this comic in general is just a, a fitting sort of summation of, I guess, how we're feeling it. This yeah, moment. I mean, something that's also, I guess, about Tim's art in this is that that last panel. And also, I guess something I've only just realized now, which I, I know people are going to be like, come on. No, it's like obvious. Um, but everything in the modern day is blue. It's all blue. Everything that's in now is blue. When we see him going to the Brooklyn Bridge and now everything's tinted with a shade of blue, which is now just like super obvious. And I'm like, that's so stupid that I just realized that. But it creates a defining difference between like the memories that we're going through with him and where Mm -hmm. he is now. And it's really beautiful that in the last panel, the very, very last panel, which is actually the only panel I think, you know, that we see this, we have the blue around a photographs of him and Gwen which is like bright color yeah and again just amazing use of color and your art style to show definition between how people feel in the aftermath of losing somebody and how they felt when that person was there and their memory of them and you know that again the last page where we just have Peter alone again um we have him talking about how he's feeling blue. And I think obviously it's a bit on the nose, the comic being called Spider-Man blue. Um, It's obvious what it's about with depression and the loss of people and feeling that lowness that you get. And he talks about a lot, you know, people telling him, you know, they wouldn't want you to be feeling like this if they were here. That's something he actually talks about in the comic. Um, Peter's like, people always said to me, you know, don't, you know, she wouldn't want you to feel like this, but, you know, he can't help it. And mm-hmm. he feels like that because he's stuck in that at these times of years. And I think it just is, they do an amazing job of just like really capturing what I think loss can do to somebody, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. I think for me, when I heard that Tim had passed away, there was a genuine sense of like, especially of how young he was like 66 is really just no age to be, passing away and to have that like i've never met tim sale and you know i'm sure the people who are close to him are devastated and our thoughts are with them uh, more than anybody else but it's weird when you don't have these people that you meet like there's artists that we we know writers actors you know musicians and when you have that loss of somebody that you don't know it does still affect you and make you have this feeling that Peter's having in this comic where Mm. you have this sense of like lowness and like somebody who's influenced your life without them even knowing is gone and no longer able to do that. Yeah. Um, 
I was thinking about this the other day, actually, because I think you and I are roughly similar ages, and yeah. we're, I think we're at a point... And we won't say, we that's won't for say. us to, yeah, <laughs> to I mean, ask us. I mean, listeners can do the maths. I feel like we've done enough <laughs> clues to guess. Um, but obviously when you're younger, you know, celebrities, people in the public eye pass away, you know, it happens. Mm. But you're younger, you don't have a connection with, as big a connection with the outside world or things you love like comic books or movies or mm. um, music and then when you get older you start going connections to certain people especially um, not to digress too much but obviously the passing of Taylor Hawkins this yeah. year was a prime example of that I've grown up with listening as of yourself listening to the Foo Fighters for decades and when someone like that passes on it really hits you and this is the exact same thing with Thames Dale mm. you know you 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 spent so much of your formative years and and beyond connecting to things that these people have created that have become such a big part mm. of who you are not mm. just oh you know you know you people we watch films you know people who listen to our podcast know we watch films as well we mm. listen to music but comic books especially for yourself and mm -hmm. and for me as well are a massive part of who we are and yeah. with that there are certain people who made us that way and we are grateful to them so when someone like that leaves us it's really hard to it is to process it and, it, and you know we're still not over it and you know we probably never will be fully but it's one of those things that just takes a toll and it does and to it process does. I don't think there's like, I don't think there's like a way of describing. I think there's things like I could say more about Spider-Man Blue, um, and I'm sure like a more academic mind could really digest and break down everything about this comic and and you know every panel and and the art style and everything and and you know I. I Andrew being on here would to talk about Tim Sale would be great as well because he he loves his art and Andrew being an artist can bring a totally different perspective on mm. on his work. But you know that's not to diminish I guess what we've talked about and what we are talking about with Spider Man Blue and Tim Sale. I'm not saying it as like oh you know we've talked about nothing here. <laughs> yeah. It's just more of a like I I don't think I can adequately describe I guess what tim sales work has done for me in terms of like my comic book reading no um, i i don't think but it's i don't know if there is a need or you know there's a way to put these kind of things into words yeah. i feel like everyone people listening or people who know tim's work or have connected to comic books in any way um will understand yeah. you know it's it's just a feeling that can be it can be communicated in through people that feel the same yeah totally and i yeah. think i read i think that's such a great way of like summing up that feeling because i i remember really well reading um superman for all seasons and um i remember just like reading that and being completely like lost in the world that they created jeff Loeb and tim Sale in that one and you know, I feel like all of their work, um, including Spider-Man Blue, they have this real, um, it's just like such a beautiful world they create. Like even 
the long Halloween, which is in Gotham, this really gritty and dark place. Like the panels that they have in that, like where Spider uh, Spider Man <laughs> Spider Man's in Gotham, he just swings in. Um, where Batman is like, there's a really great one. I can't remember what issue it is, but it's a again a full panel, which I really feel like Tim Sale had a mastery of not only having amazing up close facial expression, like emotion. Uh, panels where you could get really zoomed in he was really amazing at creating like single page panels where you had this brilliant like backdrop of the city or the farm of smallville or new york with spider-man and there's a great one of like gotham city and batman with his cape and um the cape is like huge droping across the frame and they create these beautiful landscapes in in their work like tim sale is so good at creating like these amazing landscapes that really just allow you to get lost in them and Mm -hmm. i think that's something i found when i was reading you know superman for all seasons spider-man blue they all have those big backdrops and and again another really awesome one in this one which was just so simple is uh when spider-man's reading the daily bugle and the um newspaper salesman is like you need to pay for that and it's just one big panel and it's yeah. him hanging upside down, ring it, reading the Daily Bugle, and then the city behind him, the street, it's quite dark. But it's just such, again, a playful panel of Spider-Man. But it makes, that... you, it makes you feel like he lives in a world. Yes. You know? It's yeah. not like these are contained panels where they're in a box and there's two characters talking and there's maybe some props around. You feel mm-hmm. like you're actually, there's a world behind it all. Yeah, yeah, totally. a great testament. Oh, uh, yeah, totally. Um. I mean, it's it's up to you if you want to continue uh, chatting, um, Chris. I don't I I don't know if there's more I can say on um, on on Tim Sale in terms of Spider Man Blue that I I feel like I'd be uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not repeating myself, but yeah, I I I guess I'll just I I would just finish by saying that obviously we've spoken in great detail about what he meant to us. Yeah, I guess what he continues to mean to people and will continue to mean to people the the legacy of his work especially things like um long halloween which has obviously been adapted and readapted and referenced in multiple things since you mm-hmm. know it just shows how big how widely respected and rightly so he is in th- those circles in mm-hmm. that world and mm-hmm. I just it's it, it's such a loss, but I'm glad I was able to make a connection. Yeah. In, yeah, yeah. But make a connection to the point where I feel the impact. But I'm glad of the legacy he's left behind for me and others yeah. personally. So yeah, totally. I I agree. I think something I wanted to say, I guess, to to sum up, is that I completely agree with you that the. The, the things he's created, I think you can see the influence on um, the world that we love. You know, I think the Spider-Man we get in Spider-Man Blue is something that has influenced Spider-Man films and has influenced what mm-hmm. it means to be a Spider-Man character. And I think if, if only The Amazing Spider-Man 2 would have got more influence from <laughs> Spider-Man Blue, yeah. we would have been in a better place. And I think that's also the same with Superman for All Seasons. I think Something well, Smallville, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think something that the the character of Superman on screen has lacked is what Tim Sale and Jeff Lowe bring in that comic. Uh, 
a character that's alien but in inherently human and they do that like tim sale does that so well by as i said before he was talking about it in a video i watched recently he talks about you know the fact that he wanted superman to be the more country boy and it's clark kent he's drawing not superman whereas with batman when he draws bruce wayne he's drawing batman and it's just even that sort of like i think people don't realize or maybe they do but you know if they're comic book readers like ourselves and i'm sure they are listening to this i don't want to patronize our listeners but um the art that people create there's so much thought that goes behind it Mm. and i think you can tell and i won't say this i won't discredit some artists now it's not the place to do it but you can tell the difference between you know the david gibbons and the tim sales where they really consciously think about what they're doing in a frame than the ones who just are i'm gonna draw a character who's got loads of bags and guns and you know i'm like gonna shoot and he's a metal claw man or something you know what i mean and when he's talking about the fact that when he draws superman he draws clark kent that's what he's drawing yeah and when he's drawing batman he's drawing when he's drawing bruce wayne he's drawing batman it's so like yeah, that's inherently how those characters are. Bruce Wayne is Batman. Superman is Clark Kent. They are not the 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 false persona yeah. that they put on is the other character. Yeah, and uh, you can tell that in their work. Um, yeah, I agree. I think to because you're like, how do I get my audience to connect with a guy who can fly and shoot lasers from his eyes and do all this stuff? And you say, I I don't. I get him to connect with the human. Yeah element yeah. of him and i and really think same... that's something the films have really not twigged yeah the then it's it's a it's a i guess a not a curse a symptom of um being blockbuster hungry kind of genre which the superhero mm. movie is that you need to attract as many as you possibly can and the quickest way for them to do that is through the action and the mm. fun stuff mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. but what what makes me come away thinking or relating to Peter Parker or Spider-Man or Batman or it's the people behind the character, you know? Watching two hours of Batman beat someone up is not fun, you know? It's great. <laughs> it's great for bits of the film because that's what you expect. But yeah. what makes Batman tick? What makes Spider-Man tick? What makes Superman? Who makes these people who they really, really are? Mm. And that's bring it back around where you are absolutely right. You have storytellers such as David Givens and Tim Sale who get that and others who are mainly about the big splashy action Mm. pages, Mm -hmm. which are, they have a place, but that, but the, the former is what separates the great from everyone else. I agree. And I guess what I'd say to like close up, I guess for me, um is that tim sale and so many artists i mean it's uh, we've lost quite a few this year as well that have been quite shocking there's been quite a few that have passed away very young um tim sale for me is uh hit me quite hard because of what we're talking about there you know the 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 way he understands characters and what he provided to the comic book and the 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 influence that he's had on comic books i think is huge and the influence he's had on on film and um you know the general cultural zeitgeist is probably more than 
what he realized and probably more than what most people realize you know with with the work that they provided and you know i'm thankful for to have enjoyed his work and um thankful for the 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 work that we got from him and Jeff Loeb as well to get together because as we said at the beginning they were a, a dream team of a combination and you know the work that we got from them is just fantastic and maybe I should go out and get Captain America White and actually read that <laughs> and actually get it done but I guess I, I wanted to just say thank you to Tim and thank you to him for all his work that he gave us and I'm sorry that he's gone at the age he is because it's um it's too too young too young is what I'd say. Too young, indeed. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's a heavier, heavier episode than usual. And uh, thank you for bearing with us and, and listening to our thoughts on the amazing Tim Sale and uh, what a loss he is to us and the community. And, um, you know, we'll be on to other subjects next time. I think we've got four coming up. I think that's a big one. Mm-hmm. we'll be talking about i think um you know that's coming up going to be exciting we might have another friend of mine coming on which is going to be great um and we've got uk film we're going to be reviewing it as well i imagine i mean we we really need to sort out what we're doing on those <laughs> ones <laughs> yeah um yes and then obviously we will be uh, uh, we will be talking about thor um both uh, the comic, the mm. and uh, re- relative to the f- relative to the film, and then mm. we will be talking about obviously Thor: Love and Thunder when it comes out. So we'll have all our thoughts on that. We'll uh, go back as, to sex criminals as well. Yes, and Simone will be back for that. And yes, we'll, um, I think she didn't want to miss this one. She's she's I'm jealously sat in our flat as she's listening to many groups at Glastonbury. Yes, I the fact that she probably saw Paul McCartney and Dave Grohl on stage last night really bothers me. And but... and yeah, and Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> and oh, Bruce Springsteen. Oh he came out as well. They brought out the whole gang. <sighs> um it's, it's so far I, mean, I think I mean if you're Paul McCartney, you can. So <laughs> <laughs> I think the one I'm most jealous of is she saw a band called Krangbin, who's like one of my favorite groups, and she sent me a video of it and I was just like, Oh god, I'm sat in my house. So, like... <laughs> so yes, we will be we will be doing Six Criminals Volume Three when yes. Simone is back at a later date, and I believe we'll have some other episodes UK film review related mm-hmm. for some potentially friendly debates about certain uh, subjects, but more on we... that uh, as and when we decide what we're, who's, who's to give. Yeah, I was going to say to give listeners an insight. Um, this, I guess, a nice way to summarize this to end this one because it has been a heavier one is some of the positive things that we've got coming something to look forward to is possibly i mean i'm nervous for it possibly the end of the podcast (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) the end of the podcast and hopefully not the end of minus relationship but um me and simone debating christopher nolan's entire film catalog it's gonna come we're not sure when because as the title of it suggests, we're watching every film. The three of us, Chris is pulled in on this as well. Yeah, I am mediating, <laughs> so I also have to watch all the films again. Every film he's made. Um, so it's going to be an in-depth one. As some listeners from this may know, one of the first episodes we did at all as a UK film review team was our thoughts on Christopher Nolan. And at this point, I didn't really know many people on the team. Um, so. <laughs> I was quite tame. 
I was like, oh yeah, you know, he, I respect your opinion, but you know, I think this. Whereas this time, we might have to request if I can swear in it. We I, might have have since, <laughs> I have, I have since spoken to uh, to uh, Ian many times off mic over the last year and a half since I've got to know him and realised that his opinions are much a bit stronger than was previously stated on that podcast. <laughs> My friend says I deal in absolutes too much, and my response to that is I, only I a agree Sif. with your friend. Well, only a Sif deals in absolutes, so you That's know, true. And, and I think the Sif are cool. So <laughs> <laughs> there, you, there you have it. Well, yeah. we'll have that. That'll be an interesting episode as and when we do it. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that's a good way to sum up. And mm. I guess again, just to to hit on that uh, our subject for today, I just want to say thank you for chris for joining me for a, a very heavy episode yeah um i appreciate you being here and i know you, you wanted to do something as well we both really yeah. wanted to do something to mark the tragic loss that is tim sales passing yeah absolutely. And, you know i feel like we even though as i said there's not a way to really f- put it into words i feel like we've done a, a good tribute to how much tim's mean, meant to us and i want to thank the listeners as well for listening along with us and taking part in, in in this podcast it's still something that we're trying to grow so i just thank you every week for listening to us um you know it means a lot to us that you take the time out of your week Absolutely. just to have a listen yeah you know it really does mean something to us here i don't think we say it enough at the end but it does mean a lot to us for you just to sit down and listen to us or any of the uk film review team you know taking part and listening to us means a lot and just finally, again, I just want to say thank you to Tim Sale and the work that he's given us over his life yeah. and what it's meant to us. So, yeah, thank you, Tim. And we will leave you with that and we'll get back to you next time with probably four. I think that's what's going to come. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So thank you, everybody, and see you soon. Okay.